Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, back in New York City after a quick trip to Atlantic City for the first time in two years earlier this week, so that was fun. I'm joined this week by our favorite guest. I don't even know if he counts as a guest. He's more like a co-host. He's the founder of TournamentPokerEdge.com, and he has a very successful Twitch stream where he lives under the name Killing Bird. You guys know Derek Tenbush. Welcome back, Derek. How are you? I'm doing great, Clayton. How are you today, my friend? Yeah, good. You've been doing some traveling yourself too, right? Yeah, we did a little. Uh, we did our guys' trip to Atlantic City, actually. Speaking of Atlantic City, uh, for the Super Bowl. Um, so that was fun. Just like ten, ten buddies, you know. Not a lot of poker. We did uh, splash around and do some drunken cash games, but uh, no tournaments. In fact, there were very few tournaments running, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Borgata had one, I think, the day we arrived. That some of the guys went and late regged, but um, I didn't play any tournaments. I did play some cash, but mostly I just. Degend at the sports book and uh, you know play a little craps and roulette and stuff like that. So uh, got, I got my I got the degen out of me and uh, <laughs> and then That's yeah awesome. and, and just I'm actually just just back from uh, a little work trip to the lake. So we did a little retreat with some of our coworkers and team members and stuff and talked a little business but uh, relaxed a little bit too. So that was cool. And actually I I leave in the morning for the coast i'm going out there to help my parents out for a couple of days so i'm a i'm a road warrior these days wow you really are that's incredible dude why are you so travely these days are you just uh (laughs) like (laughs) making up for lost time or what yeah i think that's primarily what it is you know the, the the things are starting to open back up with the pandemic a little bit and um the opportunity i mean we didn't do the super bowl trip last year we've done it i think eight years in a row or something other than last year so um, yeah, so we had the opportunity to do that again, but more—it's mostly just coincidence, I think. You know, the, the the lake trip was just sort of a weird, randomly scheduled thing, and um, my parents are getting ready to move from the Outer Banks, so they just need some help, like with some heavy furniture and stuff like that. So, kind of a coincidence, but uh, I, I do have kind of a heavy travel schedule coming up too. I'm c- going to be out in Los Angeles in June, uh, and then up in Michigan in late. July, so yeah, I, I have a decent amount of travel coming. I think it's mostly just because things are opening up, so you know, things that we put off for years are now back on the schedule. Yeah, it was kind of surreal being back in Atlantic City because I mean, I was there Monday and Tuesday, right? So it's not like the busy time, and like you say, there aren't anywhere near as many tournaments running as there used to be. Um, I was actually at Harrah's, and the only cash games they were offering were one, two, and one, three, no limit. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I jumped in, you know, what the heck? I wanted to play some live. Um, I played in the uh, WSOP circuit event. The main event was on Sunday, so I played in that and then just hung out for a couple more days after. Uh, yeah, not much to write home about. Um, I did win $75 in the cash game, so. <laughs> nice. Retirement's <laughs> near. Yeah. So wait, you're going to LA in June and Michigan in July. When are you going to be in Vegas? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I'll only be in LA for like two or three days. Um, my birthday is actually in July, but we're doing a June trip for my birthday to see this band that reunites every year for a small concert. So I'll only be out there a couple of days, and I'll only be in Michigan a couple of days. So there'll still be plenty of, hopefully, plenty of time to hit the World Series at some point in the year. Well, what's the band? Air Supply? I know how much you love Air Supply. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's a funny thing. I actually kind of do like Air Supply. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a very small band that almost nobody's heard of called Blackboard Jungle. Uh, they yeah. never even never even had a proper record deal or anything. So it's more of like a, like 200 friends get together at the Viper Room to hang out for a night, and that band happens to play. So. <laughs> well, uh, you were right to assume that I never heard of that band. <laughs> I certainly have not. Uh, yeah, I've been looking at the uh, WSOP schedule. Those who listened to last week's episode, you know that I touched on a few of the of the highlights. But you know, obviously, Derek and I and so many other poker players kind of wait with bated breath to see what the WSOP is going to do. And then usually the other casinos uh, around town will follow suit with their schedules once they see what they're up against. Because obviously... 
the main reason people go to Vegas in, in the summer is for these bracelet events. And I, I'm really happy with the schedule this year. It's one of the first years that I can ever remember really not hearing a, a lot of players complaining about the schedule. And the complaints they do have are very minor. Mm -hmm. So I think that even though they made us wait a lot longer than they normally would, the schedule appears to have been worth the wait. Have you had a chance to peruse it at all? I have, yeah. And I'm... Uh I'm actually shocked you're even going, considering there's no mystery bounty tournament. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're doing something else. They're doing the million-dollar bounty tournament, which I think is they just don't want to look like they're copying off of the win. Yeah, uh, maybe that's what the it win is. basically stole the idea for, for the mystery <laughs> bounty, and now that's their thing. So, But there is a tournament uh, as part of this year's World Series of Poker called the Million Dollar Bounty, and in this tournament... The bounties are going to be awarded on day two, very similar to what they've been doing at the win. I think now the win is on its fifth or sixth version of the uh, mystery bounty. Uh, and someone is going to basically get a scratch-off ticket for busting somebody on day two that will have a million-dollar prize attached. And I just think that is so exciting. That's going to be in July. That's event number 68. It's a $1,000 buy-in, and somebody's going to get... A, a million dollar bounty like yeah. how cool is that that is cool and it, the crazy thing about it is you're going to know exactly when somebody hits it because it's going to the room is going to erupt <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah now i think originally they wanted to do all the bounties on day one uh, or starting from the beginning of the tournament so whether it be day one two or day three uh you would be able to get a bounty immediately upon busting someone and i remember that a lot of us had questions about well how are they going to do this logistically are you going to get uh a chance to like reach your hand into a into a like a lottery bin or something like what's going to happen and it wasn't clear and then of course the pandemic eradicated the whole thing so nothing happened but then i think what's happened is that the wsip sees how smoothly things run at the win and they've just decided to you know why don't we just do that format and that makes it more exciting to make it to day two of that tournament because there you won't you will only get a shot at that big bounty prize if you manage to make it to day two yeah and that's a, it's a super cool tournament and i i when i play online i tend to default to, to playing uh bounties or pkos or you know some version like that so it's certainly an event i will hopefully get to play it does not fall during the dates that i'll be traveling uh so uh, that that that's a likely time period that I will target to be out in Vegas is, is around that tournament. Yeah, that's cool. So that's the first weekend in July. Uh, July 2nd. Wait, is that a weekend? Yeah, that's a Saturday. So the first flight is on that Saturday. And then the, the first flight of the main event is the next day. So, Derek, you could just come, grab yourself a million dollars by busting the right player in the million dollar <laughs> bounty have no you know no sweat buying into the 10k main and you know maybe win that one too how does that sound yeah i like that strategy and, <laughs> and the the mini main event too is that friday so it's kind of a it's a pretty cool time to roll into town you know play the mini main play the million dollar bounty play the main event uh, and then you know of course they still they're still doing the thing where they they run sort of a little series of tournaments after the main so even if you happen to bust the main event you still have some opportunities to play yeah, plenty of stuff to play. So if we go back to the beginning, uh, obviously it starts May 31st, um, but that's just uh, the uh, Casino Employees event, which is uh, the traditional first event of the season. And then uh, they're doing something new. Event number two, also on May 31st, is a $100,000 high roller bounty event. So Derek, like you just mentioned, uh, how bounties are getting more and more popular, be it a PKO or a mystery bounty or just a traditional bounty tournament. And here they're even going to have a high roller bounty, which is a $100,000 buy-in with $25,000 bounties on each player. So that, That's going to be insane. That's going to be wild. <laughs> Somebody's going to collect a bunch of those bounties and be a millionaire right off the bat, which will be uh, a, quite a way to start the World Series uh, at the new venue, which is going to be the Horseshoe, or as I like to call it, the best place to be burglarized, Bally's. <laughs> well, now the good thing is is you can go there without feeling bad because it's not Bally's. So you're, That's you're, right. <laughs> you're kind of, you know, it's a fresh start for you and them. Yeah, and maybe a lot of people don't even realize this, but 
they have a new owner. Um, Harris Entertainment or Caesars Entertainment, whatever, was purchased by this other company called El Dorado Gaming. So, uh, yeah, maybe things will be different. Uh, generally speaking, when uh, the casino industry consolidates, it's not great news for the players, but we'll see. Uh, maybe a coffee at Starbucks during the WSOP won't be $28 this year, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I did already see that... Uh that they are not allowing all American Daves to serve food at the at the new location. Oh no! So we're losing Daves. Yeah. So I, I saw a bunch of people were trying to help work that out. I have not seen the result of those efforts, but uh, but hopefully it'll be back. I actually don't utilize it a, a ton because I'm a terrible uh, unhealthy eater. But um, <laughs> but I know poker players in general love those guys. So hopefully they can they can figure that situation out. Oh yeah, I never even thought about that. How this this move might affect all American days because, you know, just that's been such a staple of the world series for so long. Yeah. You would think that they would want to keep that around. Cause yeah, like you say, the players love it, but I guess if it's, you know, it could be like a licensing thing or a contract thing or who knows yeah. what goes on behind the scenes. Right? right. Exactly. Yeah. It could just have something to do with the other restaurants at that location. Maybe they have a contract that says no food trucks. Who knows? But uh, hopefully they can figure it out because, uh, I mean, they've, they've spent a lot of time building up that brand associated with the World Series. So there'll be a lot of people looking for them. Yeah, I mean, All-American Dave makes most of his money for the year during the WSOP. So we want, we want to keep Dave in business. We love Dave. All right. Well, then after uh, the calendar turns to June, we've got something. They're doing a lot more of these this year, uh, different price points. So it, it was like kind of you could find like a $400 or $500 tournament up to a $1,500 tournament. And then the next price point was mostly 5 k and up. Uh, but they're doing some more like 2,000, 3,000 uh, events, including on June 1st, there's a freeze out, a $2,500 freeze out. I'll be interested to see what kind of field those tournaments attract. I mean, if those do well, because that's kind of in my wheelhouse. Like, I could play a few more of those slightly larger buy-ins, but I wouldn't want to enter a bunch of 5Ks. Mm -hmm. Even if I really had the bankroll to play a ton of 5Ks, I mean, they just they generally get the toughest fields of the summer. Yeah, that one will be interesting because, you know, a few days later is the what they're calling the housewarming, which is sort of the kickoff, like, low buy-in tournament. So I think a lot of recreational players will probably time their arrival for that tournament, which means that 2,500 could just be full of people who busted out of the high roller 100K tournament <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, and, and a bunch of other pros uh, who are just looking for something to play that day. Um, so it could be a tough field, um, but, you know, you never know. You might also get people who come in a couple days early to, to kind of to, to splash around and, and maybe they do play that one yeah that's an interesting theory like yeah it does seem like because the the housewarming is basically that weekend well it technically it begins on thursday but yeah the housewarming is a 500 hundred dollar buy-in with a five million dollar guarantee which i would predict they're going to blow out of the water mm. i mean i think they're going to get i don't know what twenty thousand players yeah, that. it's going to be chaos. Although I did hear positive reports last time. I mean, there was, I think, some issues early on because of the whole, like, you had to present your vax card and stuff, and I think that slowed a lot of things down. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe it runs smoother. I mean, they've had a, several years of doing these these big multi-flight events, um, so maybe, maybe they've got it worked out. But Yeah, the, I hope so. And this year there are, there are no vaccine requirements, no mask requirements, uh, unless something changes, which of course it could, mm -hmm. but with the way things are going right now, with the current government guidance, guidance, it doesn't appear that we're going to be having to show our CDC proof of vaccination or or wear a mask even when you're just traveling from one table to the other. Uh, that's all going to be just a a distant memory of last fall, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. One thing that's interesting is so, like I said, I would project that that housewarming tournament brings out. The most recreational players you'll see all summer, probably. And the downside is there's not really a ton of other things that those people are likely to jump into because you have like a seven card stud tournament, you have a dealer's choice tournament, you have a 50k high roller. There is a $600 deep stack in the mix, but it'd be nice if there was like a 1500 or a 2k, like no limit hold'em, like right towards the very last day, of, the very last day one of that tournament. 
that those people could then like parlay into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, many of them will probably end up just playing in the daily deep stacks, which are such a big money maker for the WSOP because the rake is so high yeah. and they get so many players and re-entries. Uh, so they'll definitely have those running again. I mean, I always hear players say, well, it's really good value, you know, but... <laughs> it's I mean, good value because in their mind, it's cheap, so it's good value. <laughs> yeah, it's cheap, and you can win a big prize for a cheap buy-in, but it's not a good value in the sense that 28% of the prize pool or something is going straight to the house, so yeah. uh, that's not good. <laughs> I, I really enjoy playing the Daily Deep Stacks, but not because... Of the of the value, not certainly not because of the rake. You know, it's more of a oh, it's a fun time. You can have a few drinks while you're playing. You know, it's a little less stressful because it's not as big of a buy-in. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy them. It's a good entertainment value. Uh, I don't know if it's a good economic value. Well, I know very it's well said. Very value. well said. <laughs> so here's my strategy for you: if you're a relative low roller, you want to come to Vegas with like five thousand dollars or less, and you want to play tournaments. You can do one, you know, fire a bullet into that $500 housewarming we mentioned. If you bust out on Monday, June 6th, you can play event number 11, which is uh, a No Limit Hold'em deep stack, which is for $600. All right, so now we still have like three, three or 4,000 to play with. You could jump into, on Tuesday, the $1,500 six max, which I can tell you from experience, that tournament attracts a very uh, wide range of players. So there'll be tons of pros, but there'll also be, believe me, plenty of amateur players taking a shot at a $1,500 bracelet in that one. And six-handed, the table draw matters so much more than it does at a, at a full table, I think, because if you're at a table with, say, three or four recreational players and you have eight opponents, that's one thing. But if you only have five and three of them are recreational, <laughs> you're in good shape. <laughs> you're loving that. Yeah, and it's not just for the comfort factor, but I, I've i played, I think, two six-max tournaments at the World Series, and they're always my favorite other than the tag team. Yeah, it's a good time to jump in and and play six-max, and, and just talking about this stuff gets me really excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, reading a tweet today, and somebody was talking about how you know, the schedule coming out is like Christmas Day, and it dawned on me that it's not really like Christmas Day. It's more like when the Christmas catalog comes in the mail. And yeah. You have, you have to be a little yeah. older to know what a Christmas catalog is. <laughs> but, you know, it's like a, it's literally a catalog of all the new toys and stuff. And I, you know, me and my brother would go through and circle which toys we wanted, and we'd pull out pages and stuff. And that's more like what the schedule day is like for me. Totally. Like Toys R Us or whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I got you covered. If you want to spend a week and you're a relative low roller, but you really want to you know, take a shot at, at bracelet glory, on Thursday, there's a 1K freeze-out, event number 18. So uh, for those who don't know, a freeze-out is a tournament you cannot re-enter. There was a time when almost every tournament was a freeze-out, and then casinos realized they could make more money if they let people buy in again and rake them again. And then that weekend... Derek, I know you have always been the biggest fan of the Monster Stack. That one seems to be your favorite. I know every year you get excited to play it. I think it's a little earlier than usual this year. It's June 10th. Is that when you're in L.A. or what? Uh, no, I will be back from L.A. then. I think I'm in L.A. Like June 3rd to 6th, something like that. So, uh, so yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be back and available. I love that tournament. Um, <laughs> you know, and <clears throat> particularly for people who... One thing that do people do love about when they're when they're looking for what poker tournaments to play is is playability or uh, you know getting the chance to to be in the tournament for a long time you know and there's no better tournament for that well other than the main event uh, than the monster stack because yeah, you, know, I mean, you start you just, out with a lot of chips and it's a good, really good structure um, so you'll get to play plenty of hands because you start out plenty deep yeah well, so for that tournament I mean the blinds start at 100. 200 with a, a 200 ante, and I think you get 50,000 starting chips, which is like kind of like the main event level. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's, uh, I mean, it's, let's see, let me see. Yeah, the levels are one hour, so the main events are two hours, right? Yeah. Um, but still, like for that buy in, for that price point, $1,500 to get that many chips, 
Now, to me, it sounds kind of like torture because it's... <laughs> yeah, gonna, I thought you might not like it as much. Five days to get into the money, and then, like, the min cash is, like, you win, like, a thousand bucks or something. <laughs> yeah. But, of course, we don't go for the min cash, do we, Derek? Uh, well, uh, uh, some of us do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, for comparison's sake, like, some of those $500, $600 tournaments are 30- and 40-minute levels, so... Um, you know, you're starting with more chips and double the level length, so you're you're definitely getting some playability. So if if it's a thing where you're like, I want to go, but I don't want to be out in an hour, it's a pretty good tournament to play. Yeah, there's a decent chance you'll survive at least an hour yeah. with fifty thousand chips when the big blind is two hundred. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and then that, that weekend on Sunday is the, they're bringing back the flip and go. Now, I took a couple of shots at the flip-and-go last year. It's kind of <laughs> madness. Uh, you get three cards. You have to throw one away, and then they deal the flop, and you, uh, you you hope that you hit your two cards because only one player from each table advances, but that player is automatically in the money. It's a $1,000 buy-in, and this is a format that was made popular by GG Poker. So they are sponsoring or presenting this tournament uh, once again this year. Did you get a chance to fire this one last year? I didn't. It's not really up my alley. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like I said, I have a little bit of a DJ in me, but I think if I was going to do this, I'd rather just go like try to run up something at Blackjack or something like that. <laughs> Especially with the idea of throwing one card away, because the pain would be that you know I'd throw away the deuce or whatever, and the flop would come deuce, deuce, seven, and I'd be like, cool. I hate, right, I, hate right. po- I hate poker even more now. Yeah, I, actually, I wish they would just give you two cards. Eliminate skill completely. Yeah, I don't want to have to think about it. And I'm sure there is some <laughs> GTO like decision-making about which cards you get rid of, but I don't know what it is. So I'd Yeah, so my cards uh, in the first one that I played last year, my cards were 5-5 five, five, tray. So I just threw away the tray, and I was like, come on, 5, and yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah, and then the you, next one was just three random cards that had no relation to each other whatsoever, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to win this one. <laughs> uh, but it, it does seem like it'd be fun. I, I would do it if they ran, like, even half the body. You know, even if it was, like, a 500, I might take a few a few punts at it. But And when I got back in line to re-enter, there was a guy in front of me. I don't know if he was being serious or not, but he said he was on his 27th bullet oh in the gosh. flip and go last year. So this guy was not going to give up. I mean, the value is... The appeal of it, I guess, is that if you do manage to get lucky at that opening stage, then you're going to be in the money against a field of players who did nothing to get into the money. Yeah. So whereas normally once you get into uh, the money in a bracelet event, most of the players left have an idea what they're doing. But in this tournament, it's a, there's a decent chance that one of your one or more of your opponents will have no clue what he's doing. <laughs> That's a good point. I never I never really thought about that aspect of the uh, of the EV. You might even have just gamblers from down the hall who don't even really play poker. They were just like, oh, I heard there's this thing where I can just wager $1,000 at a time. I'm in. Yeah. And get get a cash in the World Series of Poker on my record, you know. Yeah. yeah some people, that, that appeals to them a lot. So we'll see. Uh, that That's a distinct possibility. I might I – might, but I'll definitely give myself a cap. Like I won't buy into that more than I would say three times mm-hmm. at the most. Like I don't want to be sitting here in the middle of June. We still got a whole month to go, <laughs> and I've spent you know forty thousand dollars trying to win the flip and go. <laughs> and, and now you got to finish like top three to get your money back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna go down that road. But yeah, I might give it a shot again because it would be kind of exciting, the getting into the money with. Uh, a bunch of people who just got into the money because they were lucky yeah. as opposed to the skill. So I can see why uh, a lot of pros want to play that event. And, I, of course, we all see why the amateurs want to play that event. Yep. Uh, looking ahead to the week afterwards, uh, the shootout, event number 27, it's a $1,500 shootout. Uh, as we talked about last year, I love the shootout format. It, it uh, rewards people that go for it and it rewards trying to win first place and doesn't do anything for third place or second place uh that's fun for me like you have to win your table yeah again kind of not really in my wheelhouse however i think for people who maybe came up or or currently grind a lot of sit and goes it's probably a pretty good tournament uh to jump into uh sit and goes are how i got into poker but i have not grinded them in the better part of a decade uh so i just don't have quite the skill set for it um but still a really fun tournament um i we watched big dog go pretty deep in that one year and it was a lot of fun yeah i remember listening to that when i was just a fan of the podcast 
uh, and we had TPE live. Yes. We were getting updates like you know, two or three, maybe four times a week. Yeah. Uh, from the TPE house. So, of course, you know, those days are all over now and everybody's got families and being more responsible. But yeah, I definitely remember those days very fondly. Every time I look through the schedule, it kind of reminds me of the early days and just how exciting this always is. Planning your summer in Vegas. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's nothing like it for a poker player. Yeah, next up is a 50K PLO high roller. Uh, that should be a fun one to watch. I'm certainly not going to play it. Uh, and then some other mixed games, deuce to seven low ball, low ball triple draw, uh, a $1,500 freeze out, a 3K six max, event number 33. That's on June 15th. So yeah, like that's right in the middle. It's not a high buy-in, but it's certainly more than the lowest buy-ins. It's right in that midpoint of 3,000. I'll be interested to see how much tougher that six max is than the 1,500. Is it going to be twice as hard, you think? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It might be It might be a little tougher because it does fall sort of right around the time of all those mixed games. So, again, kind of when you're thinking about recreational players planning their week, they might look at that and go, well, I don't play Deuce to Seven Triple Draw or Horse or any of that stuff. You know, maybe they would play that six max if it was right next to the monster stack. Uh, but they may not just because it falls, you know, in between a lot of mixed games. Because after that, there is a freeze out, no limit, but then there's also like a mixed big bet event, a seven card stud. So people might just look at that one and go, well, I don't want to go that week because I only play no limit holding. Right, right. Yeah, good point. So the uh, Millionaire Maker is that weekend, the weekend of June 17th, 18th, 19th. And, you know, we love the Millionaire Maker. It's a $1,500 buy-in with a million-dollar guaranteed first-place prize. So, I mean, that's good times all around. I love when first prize is a million and second prize ends up being like a hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. That that turns me on because I like to see people go for it. It makes it more fun to watch or you know, of course that would be the kind of final table I would love to make where the value of laddering is is nothing compared with the value of winning. Yeah, and you'll have a lot of wrecks in that one obviously and they might intuitively know that they're supposed to be going for it, but it's not as easy said is done for a lot of people so you'll yeah if if any seasoned vets make it to the final table of the millionaire maker they, they have an opportunity to run that table over yeah you know and to your point derek like if if ninth place in the millionaire maker ends up being like twelve thousand dollars and eighth place is sixteen thousand dollars i'm just throwing these numbers out I mean, it may end up being way more than that, but let's just, you know, for the sake of argument. But first prize is definitely a million. And some of these guys might actually incorrectly care about trying to get eighth rather than ninth because they just that's a lot of money to them. Maybe they satellite it in in the first place. You know, for $175, I want to seed into this thing, and now I can turn 175 into either 12000 or 16000 those are big numbers compared to 175, yep. but they're not big numbers compared to a million. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the way and, I see it. Yeah, and it's instinctual. Like, we spend our entire careers at least somewhat being concerned about laddering, you know, in, in a traditional payout structure. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, you get to a table like this, and it, it shouldn't mean as much to you, but it's, it's not as easy to get into that mindset as we like to think. Another thing I noticed on this uh, calendar, on this schedule, is there seem to be more bounties than there ever have been before, including a 1K Super Turbo Bounty No Limit Hold'em freeze-out event on Sunday the 19th. So if you bust out of the Millionaire Maker, you're looking for something else to play, a $1,000 buy-in with uh, $300 bounties. So that's a good time, and it's a Super Turbo. So, uh, again, that's going to be all action, and that is actually a one-day tournament so they're going to get it over on sunday june 19th so if you're just in town for the weekend you can actually play that one and not worry about having to figure out how you're going to tell your boss you can't come to work on monday yeah and that and it'll be a super uh, like high variance tournament obviously because of the the super turbo nature of it but the nice thing about a bounty is you have an opportunity to minimize that variance a little bit by maybe getting a knockout or two and 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 the, the chips are going to be flying because it is a super turbo so you're going to get some short stacks at your table that you have a chance to pick off um, so that is a fun one. If I'm around that time frame, uh, that would be one that I would definitely look at. Yeah, that might be a great weekend. You know, you could jump into the Millionaire Maker, maybe play the Super, super Turbo Bounty. Uh, yeah, it's good times. Look, look, 
let's just say strategically, if you're in a super turbo bounty tournament or any super turbo type of tournament, you should not be looking to make big laydowns. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> you got to take your shot when you get one. So we talked about a $1,500 six max and a 3K six max. But on Tuesday, June 21st, there's going to be a 5K six max. And that's one I'm going to stay as far away from as possible. That is going to be a tough field, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think that's that's the one where you can be pretty sure that it's going to be not an easy field. Uh, in fact, yeah. I think traditionally... Uh, people have often said that that around that buy-in of a six max is where it starts to become basically the toughest field. Uh, and I'm not speaking about PLO and stuff like that. I just don't know about those games. But in terms of no limit hold'em, I think everyone agrees those higher buy-in six max tournaments are going to be the toughest ones on the schedule. Yeah. And next up after that, you've got your seniors events. Uh, the another super high roller. This one's going to be a quarter milli on June 23rd. Uh, there's a 2K No Limit Hold'em. That's a new price point that we haven't seen um, in recent years. So, yeah, they're trying to mix it up a little bit um, as far as the buy-in levels. And then that weekend, the weekend of June 25th, is the Colossus, a $400 event. I don't know. I don't think they're doing a guarantee for that one anymore, but the original Colossus, I think, was uh, like $565 in first prize, ended up being... 600,000 or something like that. I don't think the Colossus has the same shine that it once had, but it's certainly, uh, you know, I can promise you it'll be a very large field at that price point. Yeah, 100%. And I think it might have also, I, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like it used to be more starting days too. It looks like it's just two now. Um, you're right, it did. I think it was four at one point. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, I think so. Maybe but, like a morning flight, an evening flight on two consecutive days. Yeah. The Salute to Warriors is back. It's a $500 buy-in with a charity component. Uh, the tag team no limit that you mentioned before is on June 26th. It's a 1K buy-in. Do you have your team picked out already? I don't. I'll have to see, well, obviously, A, if I'm going to be there, and then B, who else is going to be there. But I would love to play that tournament again. Yeah, I, I know, know you love it. Yeah, you love I, the tag team. <laughs> I've probably talked it to death, but that year, me, Carlos, and, and Mark Elliott played it together. It was the most fun I, I've had in a long time playing poker. So hopefully I'll be around for it because that would be fun. Yeah, well, Carlos fired you. I think he played with Andrew Brokus last year. So. Yeah, he definitely yeah. Uh, he, he he married up in that situation. Yeah. Like, he's like, I got to get rid of this dead weight. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Poker Players Championship, fifty thousand dollar buy-in on the same day. So if you don't want to play the tag team and you got an extra fifty thousand lying around, you want to play against the best in the world, jump in. I'll be on the sidelines for that one. <laughs> it's good to have uh, options. Yeah, yeah. Super seniors. On uh, June 28th, we're not old enough for that one just yet. They're doing a 10K short deck, which is a very popular game, uh, especially in Macau. I'd bet a, a very high percentage of Asian players in that one. Uh, the ladies' event is June 29th. That's a Wednesday. Uh, $1,500 Super Turbo Bounty. So we talked about the other one. That's a, a 1K. This one's 15. That's on June 29th as well. Let's see, we've got uh, a 3K freeze-out on June 30th. They, they did one of those last year. And then that brings us to the mini main event, the million-dollar bounty, all on that first weekend in July. So that seems like a great weekend to come. And if you really do well or you're feeling good, you can even buy into the main event day 1A on July 3rd. Yeah, and I, I feel like this might be the year that I dip my toes back into the main event. Uh, I didn't didn't play last year. Of course, there was not a World Series the summer before that, so it's been it's been several years since I've played it. Um, this might be the, the time to get back in. We'll see what crypto does over the next uh, two months or so. <laughs> nice. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be based on Ethereum. I'm yeah. Guessing. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, that you heard it here first, guys. Derek is shooting his shot. Uh, he's calling his he's calling his shot over the left field wall. He might be playing in the main event. His triumphant return to the main event. Uh, I hope that you can. I mean, to me, I would never miss it. There's nothing in the world like the main event of the WSOP. Um, they changed the name of the little one for one drop. I don't know why this year it's called one more for one drop. So, I know that. Yeah, I noticed that. Is it uh, going to be the last one? Is that, that what they're telling us? That's kind of what I read into it when I first saw it, that it might be the last one. So there's uh, maybe there's going to be no more one drop. That's unconfirmed, but we're just you know speculating based on the name here. Uh, there's a, a bounty 
PLO bounty. That should be fun. Event number 74 on Saturday, July 9th is a uh, PLO. I think it's a $500 bounty for a $1,500 buy-in. And then I mentioned this last time. There's no more uh, crazy eights. I wonder if the relationship between the WSOP and 888 Poker is no more because they've changed that one to Lucky Sevens. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I was actually about to say, I'm like, I think I played this last year, but I'm like, I don't remember playing a $777 tournament, but now I remember I played the 888. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm guessing that sponsorship or, or partnership or whatever you want to call it must have must have gone away. Yeah, it was Crazy 8s forever, and now it's Lucky 7s. I guess I'd rather have something that's lucky than something that's crazy. That's true. <laughs> okay. So on July 10th, they're bringing back the Hall of Fame bounty. Uh, where they get a free roll. If you're in the Poker Hall of Fame, you get a free roll into this one. And then your bounty is the same dollar amount as the year you were inducted. Well, I'm hoping to be in there. Uh, <laughs> I'll see yeah. if I get nominated sometime between now and <laughs> July. I see no reason why you shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a mixed event, No Limit Hold'em and PLO, the two most popular games. There's a mixed event on Monday, July 11th. It's a good time because a lot of times it attracts more PLO guys that don't really play No Limit that well or vice versa. And I think that I'm pretty good at both, but mm. not great at either. So I can usually do okay in that event um, as long as the uh, cards cooperate, of course. Let's see, what else do we want to highlight here? Uh, they're doing another one of those. This one's a smaller price point on the 13th of July. Uh, no Limit Hold'em PLO Deep Stack 8-handed $600 buy-in. That, again, is July 13th, a Wednesday, a 5K freeze-out that I won't come anywhere near. And uh, then they, they're doing the closer again, which is always a pretty big field. People that stick around after they bust out of the main event, it's the last, uh, the summer saver, if you will, a $1,500 buy-in. Only two starting days for the closer this year. And in years past, that's another one where they used to have three. So it's either Friday the 15th or Saturday the 16th. Those are your two chances to buy into the closer. Yeah, and uh, I think I played this one year, I believe. Uh, although I might be thinking of the one drop. But um, again, it'll be a it'll be a good field because you'll you'll have a lot of recreational players and they're mixing it up for sure. Yeah, trying to get the money back that they've that they're down for the year. Yeah. Or like in the case of Joe Cata, they got fifth place in the event. <laughs> And then they're just going to go ahead and win the closer just to put a nice little cherry on top of the Sunday. Still one of the most absurd things to ever happen. So sick. I hate that guy. Actually, I love him. Uh, and then this new thing, I wanted to touch on the Tournament of Champions. Uh, if you win a bracelet this summer or if you win a circuit ring at any point this season, uh, you get to play in a, a free roll. It's a million-dollar free roll, and they're calling it the Tournament of Champions. Now, they have done tournaments of champions in the past but this one is a little bit different because it's just the people who win for this year and there's no buy-in it's a free roll which i think is awesome yeah this should be a fun one i I, i'm probably sure this is true of you too but i know a lot of people who've won uh, circuit rings this year hopefully i'll know lots of people who win uh bracelets this summer so it it could be one of those ones where we're watching a lot of our friends or at least associates uh playing in so it could be a fun one in fact i think i I think i just saw jamie kerstetter won her first circuit ring so oh did she that's so cool yeah so she should be in the mix that's awesome did she win one of the uh one of the online events that i was playing over the weekend i think it was an online event and i think it might have actually been this past weekend i'd have to go back and look to be sure Ah, that's amazing well congrats to jamie uh you know she's a good friend we love Jamie Kerstetter. I I met Jamie at the Borgata many, many years ago, way before she was the big celebrity that she is now. And we played in a sit-and-go. We got down to heads up, and I was stuck, and I was trying to get even for the day by playing that sit-and-go. If I win, I have to beat Jamie in order to win. And we had about even chips, and she offered me a chop. And I said, you know, I really appreciate you offering me that because I know you're better at this game than I am. <laughs> but I have to gamble a little bit here. She said, oh, are you stuck? And I said, yeah, and this this one will get me back to even. And she's like, well, good luck. <laughs> and uh, I just remember I ended up getting lucky and, and, you know, rivering her to win the thing. But just how classy she was because so many times when I've turned down a chop, people berate me and call me every name in the book. Yeah. And that was my first time really meeting Jamie. I hadn't really 
uh, interacted with her that much and she made such a great impression on me that day because I just felt like she had the correct attitude towards somebody politely declining a chop, you yeah. know, not being a jerk about it. Well, and she was probably silently like, yes, he said no. <laughs> like, Thank yeah. God. I mean, for sure, she had the skill edge, but as we know, uh, especially in a in a single table that's designed to be a satellite, uh, luck plays a larger factor than it might in a different tournament. So uh, it does typically come down to a coin flip or some kind of Clayton luck boxing himself into uh, getting even for the trip, which uh, I, I remember very fondly doing that that day. And then uh, that was kind of the beginning of my friendship with her. And then of course she was part of the Grindettes, which was four girls who used to like dress in bright colors. Uh, and kind of attract attention. I don't know, kind of like the crew. Do you remember the crew with Dutch Boyd and those yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah. This was like the lady crew. They called themselves the Grindettes. And it was uh, players that have gone on to big things. It was Jamie, Katie Stone, Katie Dozier, and Jen Shahadi, all right. of whom have been great in poker over the many years since then. That's back when poker was, uh, you still had characters, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it was more fun. It really was. <laughs> Of course, now when we get characters, we just complain and, and, and argue about them on Twitter. So maybe, maybe we made our own bet as far as that goes. That could be. But if you're looking for characters, I recommend playing 1-2 and 1-3 cash games at Harris Atlantic City. <laughs> There's still plenty of characters in poker. I did have a lot of fun playing. We played 1-2 at Tropicana. And uh, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. People people were having a good time. It was the, We actually played after the Super Bowl, so people you know were, were already in good spirits. Um, I miss I miss live cash, which is weird because I don't enjoy cash online at all. But something about live cash, especially playing with locals and stuff. Yeah, it feels more social. It's a good time. You just feel like you can relax and have a good time with with uh, some fun loving people. Especially if you're not playing over your head stakes wise, it mm -hmm. can really just be almost like a little vacation from the pressure of tournaments. Yep, agreed. All right, well, Derek, uh, now that we've gone through the whole schedule. But, you know, it's a tradition for, for us at this point. Uh, we always go through the schedule, so I didn't want to miss it this year. And I'm sorry that you couldn't join me last week, Derek. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to make sure we get together. Whatever I schedule for Vegas, we'll have to make sure it's at the same time. Because, A, I had fun playing with you, and I'd like to do it without masks and social distancing. Um, but also, yeah. uh, we have to record another fun episode from uh, my High Roller Suite uh, at Bally, or <laughs> Horseshoe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, should we run through a hand real quick? I know it's getting late. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what do you got for us? All right. So for once, I know what tournament this is, uh, <laughs> quite specifically. Um, I've been doing a lot of late streams lately just because of the way my schedule has been. And uh, me and a lot of the people who hang out in my Twitch stream, we've been playing this tournament, uh, which is called the Mini DGen PKO on ACR. Um, it starts pretty late, like 10 p.m., I believe. Um, and it's just a $10 buy-in. Um, and it's a progressive knockout, obviously. But you start very, very deep. Um, sort of like 50k chips at, I believe, 50 100. Uh, so it's kind of fun, but it's a super turbo, so it moves really quick, which is kind of why we do it. It's sort of the way we end the night. So uh, that's why I specifically remember what this uh, what this tournament is. Um, and we are very early in the tournament. Um, in fact, I think we're just a few hands in, and I have just doubled up through a guy. Um, so I basically have a double starting stack. The unfortunate thing about that is is that the guy I doubled through had 374 more chips than me, so I didn't get his bounty. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most painful thing. Um, but there is good news, and that is that the hand after we crippled him, we get dealt kings, which is this hand. So um, we're playing five-handed. I have 101,000 chips at 100-200. Uh, and I am on the button. Okay, so I mean, how many big blinds is that? That's a lot of big. <laughs> yeah, I think it's five. It's a little over five hundred big blinds. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's like, is my math correct, or do you have five hundred <laughs> big blinds right now? Yeah. Okay, great. Um. So, and everybody else at the table basically has a starting stack, except for our friend with three hundred and seventy-four chips. Poor guy. Yeah. So, um, we're playing five-handed. Uh, the first. Under the gun folds, uh, and under the gun one makes it 600. And again, we're at 100, 200. Okay, so now you have to wonder, 
um, that's early in the in the tournament. But you have to wonder whether this opening raise is just a player trying to get after that short stack, right? Because their short stack is in the small blind, and everyone can see that's a free bounty basically if you have any kind of hand at all. And I've found that in PKOs, many players correctly open up their opening ranges when there is a very short stack in the blinds. So we don't know enough about any of your opponents, I'm assuming, since it's so early in the tournament. But uh, that would make me uh, wonder what this player is up to. And, I mean, of course, we're going to three bet with kings, right? But Mm -hmm. maybe uh, with an even lesser hand, I would advocate for raising here because he could well just be trying to get after that bounty. Yeah. And I think because it's literally the next hand, and this is a re-entry, and it is only a $10 tournament, a lot of times you'll just see somebody who's crippled like this, Just it doesn't matter what they have. They're just going to get their chips in so they can re-enter. Even re-enter, if, even right. If they bust. So, you know, you can have pretty much anything, and you, if you, it's folded to you, you're probably opening here expecting to get it in with whatever, and, and you know, you're getting good equity because there's a bounty, so. For sure. So he makes it 600 what are we going to do? We're going to re-raise. Yeah, so I, I definitely like three-betting, and this is kind of my first question in this hand. I almost feel like because we are so deep, um, and also because people are going to be chasing after this bounty, I'm kind of wondering if we should be making some sort of unreasonable three-bet size, or a reasonable, unreasonable three-bet size. I end up going to 1999. I'll just say that now, so a little over 3x. But I'm kind of almost wondering if this deep, if we should just go like 5x or something. Yeah, I mean, you could put in 3,000 or even 5,000. Yeah, like 9x, that's kind of, right? That's kind of how I'm feeling. It, it, part of this is just because of the nature of the tournament. Again, low buy in, re entry. It, it is a tournament that people tend to seem to splash around in a lot because it is a late tournament that goes fast. Um, so I think this might be my first mistake, uh, if, if we think it's a mistake. Um, I kind of like your idea. Like, just make it like 4K or 4,500 or something. I'm pretty sure the small blind is still going to put his chips in. Um, so even if the other guys fold, it's not a huge loss because we're pretty good chance we're going to win this dude's bounty. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't love my sizing. Like, I guess I should ask you: Do you actually dislike my sizing, or do you just think I could go bigger? I don't dislike your sizing at all. You absolutely can make it three times the original raise, which is what you've done here a little more. Uh, I don't I don't hate it at all. I mean, I think your play is very standard, but that there is an argument to be made for raising much bigger, like to, you know, 4,000 or more even. There's also another argument to be made for just calling. I mean, you could slow play the kings here and hope that somebody else wants to get after the the dead money. Now, how many players are at the table and how many players will have a chance to do that? Yeah, because we only have five, um, which I'm not sure if that's because it's such it, because the tournament's so new that they haven't, you know, they're they're still filling tables essentially. Oh, so there's only five <coughs> players at the table. Oh, yeah. okay, so yeah, so we're not going to call. Yeah, no, I don't mind your your play at all, but I think that the uh, the much bigger raise has its merits as well, and we're definitely not going to cry if the original raiser just gets out of the way and leaves us all alone with pocket kings against the short stack crippled player. That's basically going to be all in regardless. Like half of the money to be made in a PKO is from the bounties. No, yeah. you want that bounty. So yeah. I, I don't mind going bigger either. All right. So like I said, we do go to 1999. Uh, small blind crippled does indeed put in his remaining ships, which is a total of 474 with the big blind or with his blind in there. Uh, and then the big blind calls as well. And the original Razor calls. <laughs> <laughs> so now everybody's going to see the flop. Yeah. Uh, all right. So except for the uh, under-the-gun player, who now is probably making the same joke you always hear, can I have my cards back? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Killing Bird raised it, and then everybody's just like, oh, I can't wait to get in with him. Yeah. All right. So, Which I think is a, is a good indicator that we could have gone bigger and probably still got at least a caller, if not two. Yeah, in retrospect, it is. And it's also a good indicator about why this tournament is called the D-Gen. I'm yes. starting to understand. <laughs> yeah, this is a fun one. All right, cool. Um, so we get the four, five, six, two club flop. Um, just for the listener's knowledge, we do have the king of clubs, which I think you know could play a role here. Um, 
But not necessarily... I mean, I don't dislike my hand now, but 456 is not exactly what I was hoping for when I got two callers. Um, just because these guys can have anything. Luckily, we're in position, which makes our hand a little easier to play. Oh, this is brutal. With this many opponents, pocket kings against a 6-4-5 or a 6-5-4 flop is, is really not the flop we wanted. At the same time, you know, of course there's a de- decent chance your kings are still good even against all these guys. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess, so what, they check to you? Yeah, checks to us on the button. Uh, there's 6,600 in the middle. Uh, I opt to bet. Yeah, I think I have to bet. If they all check like that, I think I have to bet. Yeah, and... So, but the one thing I do think is I, I think I could probably go bigger. I make it fourteen ninety nine, which I think is a third. No, I that's about a that's about a quarter. Super so yeah, small. that's a pretty small bet there. Yeah, you're going to get action a lot on this bet. Yeah, I think part of the problem is is that we don't even really fold out like ace jack with the ace of clubs or something like that, or ace ten, or I, I mean there might even be like face cards that don't fold for this bet because of the bounty. The bounty, you know, is obviously playing a role in everybody's thinking here. Yeah, I mean, you're offering them 5 to 1 on a call and then there's also the bounty. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if they have any chance of getting there, like even if I had a hand like I don't know uh maybe just like a dry 8 like ace 8, I probably call. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. like maybe I can hit a 7 <laughs> and get there. Yep. I, and I think the other challenge with this sizing, which we're about to find out, so we make it fourteen ninety nine. The big blind calls, and now the original razor guy <laughs> makes it seven thousand. And I think this is the second problem of of my sizing. If I were to bet four k here, and he makes it twelve or something, we we have a much better idea, I think, of where we stand. But by making it so small, his raise could literally just be, well, this guy's betting like 20% of the pot. I can probably steal this from him, and I got I got a four, so I can probably beat, you know, this small blind and get, and get the bounty. So I, you know, it's it's almost like I I induced confusion. <laughs> for I myself. hear you. I hear you. You did induce. You you may have induced a raise here, but that's actually not a good reason to bet more on the flop. I mean, when you make this tiny bet you know that you might inspire someone to take a shot at you and you just have to call a little bit lighter That's than you right. otherwise would. I mean, I mean, for that reason, like you say, like if you had bet half the pot and got raised, you might be able to consider folding your Kings, but because you bet so small when he raises, I think we need to call the raise. The only issue is the big blind also calling in between mm-hmm. and he could be slow playing something big Probably not, because in a $10 buy-in, when there are two clubs on the flop, they usually don't slow play. Yeah. Especially with multiple opponents yet to act. He doesn't want to give anybody a cheap draw to uh, beat him if he has a big hand. But we can't rule it out either. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is getting murky, but I'm not ready yeah. to fold yet. Yeah, I do remember very distinctly saying... Once we got to the turn, saying on my stream, I have no idea where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I meant in the hand, not in life, but but that too. Um, so, so we do call kind of for the reasons that we just discussed. Uh, I think in in ways we induce this raise. I think I don't think we can be folding yet, um, but we are definitely uh, walking around with a blindfold on right now. Yeah, we don't know where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then the small blind. Or sorry, the big blind calls as well. So we are still three-handed. Oh. Now, now this pot's getting real weird. There's now 27.7k in the middle, um, and the turn comes a deuce of hearts. So now it's deuce four, five, six, two clubs, two hearts, uh, and this couldn't be getting much worse at this point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what's the action? Uh, so it checks to me. Oh, so the guy who check raised you on the flop checks now when the deuce hits the turn that's very unusual i mean it's not a pretty card anybody with a tray has a straight right Mm -hmm. but yeah what did he raise with on the flop i guess he could have like a six five or a set and now is afraid that somehow one of his opponents has has a straight Mm -hmm. um it's very odd though to me that he's that he's checking now after check raising big on the flop it actually makes me like my hand a little bit more 
That said, I'm still not going to bet here. I'm, I'm happy to check this down. This pot is plenty big for one pair. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of had the same thoughts as you. I actually kind of liked my hand a little bit more after it checked to me again here. Yeah. Um, I started to think, okay, things like ace-eight of clubs or something, that he kind of went for the cheeky check raise on the flop just because we looked weak. Uh, and now that he didn't hit his flush or his straight, he's kind of slowing down a little bit. So I think we're still ahead of a ton of stuff. Yeah, especially uh, after the uh, big blind also called. He doesn't want to keep bluffing if he's bluffing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because now he has two opponents still. He was hoping to get rid of at least one of you guys with that raise um, if he was bluffing, which, by the way, listeners, I have not seen the uh, results of this hand, so I don't really know where, I don't know where we're at any more than Derek did in real time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do agree with you that betting I don't think makes a ton of sense. And really any bet we make is kind of going to, maybe commit us to this pot. I mean, there's 27 in the game in the middle, and they each have about 40K, so... I mean, I guess we could fire small again or something just to... But I always try to remember Andrew Brokus saying, betting to find out where you're at is not, is not a reason to bet. <laughs> so yeah. I've admitted that I don't know where I'm at right now, uh, so I don't want to compound my mistake by betting to find out where I'm at. So Absolutely. Uh, so we do indeed check. Uh, and the river... Uh, I won't call it the worst card of the deck, but it is the Ten of Clubs. So it completes the flush draw, uh, which is certainly something that I was concerned about um, after the action going the way it did. Um, And I kind of expected one of these guys to bet, because I was just assuming someone had something like that. Uh, Or, or, like, if I had a set now, I might bet for value here after I check the turn. Uh, But I guess they could be wondering about me having a flush, too, so that might not really be true. Yeah, I mean, with this much action on the flop, you know, people calling multiple bets and raises on the flop, it's just somebody should typically have a flush here, like, a lot of the time. So it is odd that no one has bet yet. But again, um, I liked your check on the turn, and I would definitely check on this river. Like I said before, this pot is plenty big for my one pair of kings. I don't know exactly what's going on. And, uh, you know, there is that bounty to collect if my hand is good. But you know the real question is if I bet now, can I? It, does it make sense to turn the kings into a bluff? I don't think I can get a better hand to fold. Yeah, that was kind of my concern. I I did ponder, just like over jamming here, um, because I kind of thought that if one of these guys did have a flush, they would bet here. Um, so I thought about trying to essentially turn my kings into a bluff, but my fear was. Because, and again, going back to the bounty again, because of the bounty, I don't know if I get a three to fold there. Man, I mean, you will sometimes and you won't sometimes, right? Yeah. So, and why should you risk it? Like right now, you have the whole field covered before this hand starts because you doubled up so early. And like in a PKO format, having a big stack is worth so much. I mean, those of you who remember when I had my deep run in the Venom PKO. One reason why things went as well as they do is because I basically obtained a very large stack quite early in that tournament and never really gave it up until late in day two because I had that big stack. And it's just worth so much to have people covered yeah. in the PKO format, more so than in a typical tournament. So uh, that's another good reason not to go for like some kind of long ball bluff here when one of these guys could just be slow playing the nuts and trying to get you to do something. Yeah. Yep, and I, I ended up coming to that conclusion. So when it checks to us on the river, we do indeed check back, and uh, we get shown the 7-6 of spades from the big blind for the flopped flush. I'm sorry, flopped straight. The 7-8 um, of spades? Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. 7-8 offsuit from the original opener. Not okay. My bad. Sorry about that. Um, although the big blind did have 7-6, but that was not the winning hand. 7-8. Oh, okay. Offsuit. So 7-8, yeah, he flopped the nuts. Wow. Yeah. Um, a little bit surprised with his turn play, because uh, I would, if I'm him, I'm going, man, I hope one of these guys has a three. I'm going to bomb it here. Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's a, I don't know if he's just trying to be super tricky and hope that you have a, a trade, because by the time it got to him, the big blind had already checked. There's only one more player left to act. It doesn't really make sense. I agree with you that he should absolutely be betting the turn. I'm sure the solver would bet a turn 100% of the time mm-hmm. with the nuts here. Generally speaking, players at at lower stakes tend to be a little too tricky. Um, they think that they have to mix up their play so much and be deceptive. But usually, 
when you have a very big hand, you want to make a very big bet. Yeah. <laughs> that's, let's not overthink this, you know. Right. Put some chips in and try to get action, especially any tray has a straight, any two clubs has a flush draw, any two hearts has a flush draw, right? There's tons of combo draws available. Derek could have a hand like he has and not be ready to fold just yet. So, look, this doesn't really work for me. I think that's a huge mistake. And you see he lost a lot of value, but he raised with 8-7, flopped a miracle, check raised the flop and got so much action. Both of you guys called him, still has the nuts on the turn and stops betting. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and I may, I may have folded the turn. Um, yeah, you could sometimes. Yeah, but I don't think the guy with seven six is because he's got top pair and an open and flush or straight draw. I don't know why. I'm yeah, now it. that we know what he had, like he he definitely lost value against at least one of his opponents. Yeah, yeah, like you you might be able to fold your kings, especially if it's a sizable bet on the turn. You're like, look, you check raised me on the flop, and now you're not slowing down on this do so hearts. You know, if you're bluffing, good for you. You get this one. Yeah, especially because you know your mission right now is to like try to keep that big stack as big as you can so that you can bust as many players and collect as many bounties especially once the bounties start getting more significant um, going forward as a PKO format a bounty might be worth very little right now it could be worth uh, you know a good a good amount of dollars later on so yeah you do want to keep that big stack for when that's going on so yeah. so yeah I thought it was an interesting hand it's not often I bring a hand to the podcast where it checks through the turn and the river but, uh, <laughs> but I thought it was interesting to, to discuss kind of some of the implications of that bounty and what it means to the action, you know, at the table. So especially when, when you have a short stack all in situation where everybody's in the hand. <laughs> yeah, it's very unusual. Uh, yeah, no, I like this hand and I, I think you played it well. Nice. Now tell people what's going on with the stream. Like, are you back on Twitch or are you just still traveling like crazy? Yeah, I, uh, I actually, for the first time in a long time, um, was not able to host my home game on Tuesday because I was traveling. Uh, but I will be pretty much back in the action. Uh, like I said, I am leaving for the weekend, um, but I'll probably actually be streaming. Uh, actually, I might stream tonight after we record, which people won't know that because this won't be out yet. But, um, yeah, I'll pretty much be back on the Twitch streets here in the coming weeks. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing everybody in the uh, Twitch streets. Yeah, sounds great. And what's happening with uh, TPE these days? Yeah, so with uh, you know with the WSOP upon us nearly... Um, it's pretty cool that we have Carlos's WSOP bracelet win running. Um, it's a nine. Par- I feel like the last time I was on, we were about to launch that, but it's a nine-part series, so it's uh, it's taken quite a while to <laughs> to get all the parts out. Um, but if you're looking to you know hone your skills as you get ready to make your plans for the World Series, uh, there's not really m- many better people than Carlos and and Andrew to learn from. So. Uh, make sure you guys check that out. And then there's a new series running from Colin Moshman, which actually focuses on live play. So good timing for that as well with, uh, you know, a lot of people playing primarily online right now. Here's a chance to get a little bit of uh, live chops. Well, if you're looking forward to the first ever World Series of Poker on the Las Vegas Strip, uh, we've got you covered at TPE. And, of course, you guys know you can get $10 off your first month if you just enter at uh, checkout the promo code podcast. Uh, that's it, Derek. Uh, what else you want people to know before we say goodbye? I think that's it for now. All right. Well, for Derek Killingbird, Tenbush, and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Little gambling is fun when you're with me.